This is the Draft Season Podcast. Coming to you live on August 3rd. Uh, you already know, Draft Season Podcast. And, you know, definitely a lot's been going on in the league. The last, like, what, day and a half, two days of free agency has definitely been. There's a lot to discuss. Um, definitely still a lot to discuss um, from, from draft aftermaths and everything. And we have a very, very special guest on the show. Somebody whose content that I've really come to appreciate uh over over the past couple months um so all joining us on today our special guest is mark schindler uh the co-host of the premium hoops podcast um writer and he also covers the pacers for uh what's the SB Nation affiliate name again? it's uh indy cornrows indy cornrows definitely so like i said mark appreciate you for hopping on the dress the podcast how you doing today bro i'm good man i really appreciate you uh having me on it was good to catch up a little bit beforehand and uh engage where we're, we're both at i'm looking forward to this man yeah, man, nah, it, it, it always should, should be fun. And, you know, we've got a lot of stuff on the rundown. Um, I know the people who are familiar with, with Mark, we're going to get into some of his food takes a little later. <laughs> but we got a lot. We got a lot before we do get into there. So I know um, one of our one of our questions that we do start off um, all of our guests with just as a little, you know, just a little, um, you know, appetizer um, for the actual you know, just to let the people know you a little bit. So uh, what is just what's your background and, you know, your earliest sports memories and tell the people a little bit about premium hoops and all of the great content that you guys do over there. Yeah. So, um, man, a lot to dive in there. I actually never played basketball growing up. Like I always played like blacktop and stuff. Uh, I was very terrible at basketball. I'm about five eight, uh, on a good day. So uh, I've never been awesome at basketball. I was always I mean, I'm, I was always like pretty athletic. Um, I actually. Um, was going for a pro boxing career before I had some things fall out when I was oh, so you, got, you got hands, bro. Okay. That's I do have hands. So I do have that going for me. I got like quick feet for the most part. I just can't shoot for, uh, for shit. Um, oh, which is man. a slight problem in basketball, I but know people, I'm, I know people don't leave you open on the court though, you know? So oh, they leave me open on the court, man. Actually, so, uh, right. <laughs> the, the biggest mistake I ever made in my life was wearing, uh, I grew up a Pacers fan. I'm not a fan anymore. I just cover them. Um, but I grew up watching Paul George, obviously. I wore a Paul George jersey to the blacktop one day when I was about 16. And I think that was the dumbest thing I could have ever done. Um, I got at, like, I think I just had like way too much energy when I came out. I was the youngest guy on the court by like a decade because I, I went in the middle of the day on like a school day in the summer. Um, and I just got crossed instantaneously. I recovered. I, I promise I'm not <laughs> lying. I did recover. So I didn't actually get blown by. Uh, but the guy drilled a shot like right over my head. And I uh, I got called PG the entire rest of the, the night. Um, that I was on the court, which was uh, not exciting. But they left me wide open at the end of the game after I had missed every single shot. But I decided to be on my Jay Crowder, and I took the shot anyways, and we won. So, you know what? Vindication in some regard. Uh, but, no, I really fell in love with basketball um, because, I mean, I, I'd always been involved in other sports. And then as, uh, you know, being an athlete kind of fell out for me. Um, and I took some time off from uh, from school and, and just trying to figure out my life from there. I just really fell in love with basketball. And, and that's when I became kind of more of a league pass person, just like going really hard and watching as much basketball as possible and um, keeping me up with all the news going on in the cycle. And um, just ever since then, I've uh, it's, I've been all about it. And it's only grown for me uh, the last year or so. And um, with premium hoops, I mean, that was how I started up with it. I went, I was originally going to medical school, which was a mistake. I absolutely hated it. Um, when I was at Michigan State, uh, it was great, great campus, great college. I did not enjoy the uh, the actual classes at all. So I ended up going to University of Toledo, 
I wish a little bit closer to where I'm at and uh, got into communications uh, because I knew I wanted to get involved with sports and doing media in some aspect. And uh, I started up uh, the premium hoops, which was then a blog. Um, we kind of expanded a lot more now and made it into a podcast and, and actually an entire podcast network and, and doing a lot off of that. And uh, just kind of has, has steadily grown from there. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my, uh, my TLDR intro into, into getting into basketball. Yeah, man. And I know shout out to um shout out to our guy, Paulie Pockets. And yeah, he said we all we've all gotten crossed up. Like if you play basketball, like you're gonna get crossed yeah. up, and especially like <laughs> even NBA guys, like oh Lawrence Frank with some hands, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh man, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate it. Even even you know, even the best rim protectors get gammed on from time to time. So you exactly. just gotta like get back on defense and, and work on it. So I know um even one one thing, like just to just to hop hop around a little bit um into into some draft stuff. Uh, Cause I know checking out um, your big board, you did Sharif Cooper was somebody you had extremely high on. Yeah. Um, I know, I know. And shout out to um, everybody listening to Periscope and on YouTube. I got Raz is going to be with us shortly. Uh, but yeah, I want, I want to start with, with Sharif Cooper. Cause you were, um, I don't remember exactly where you had him on your board. I had him eighth on my board. You had him eighth. So yeah, that was, that's um, really high. And she, like Sharif's tape was like just passing. Cause I'm a, I'm a, I'm a passing geek. And mm-hmm. I, I always say passing is just one of those like attributes to where, you know, obviously you get your guys like Tyler Ennis and Michael Carter Williams, but guys who are really great passers, there's always, there's usually a spot for them somewhere. Um, even on the second unit, even if you're not a great shooter, um, passing usually just like equates with, you know, a, a really good IQ and understanding of like just angles and spacings on the court. Um, but yeah, the Sharif Cooper, um, you know, pick, I, I did want to get your opinion on that. I just like, uh, one thing, one thing, like whenever we get into like scouting and stuff, we do a lot of scouting on Jesse's podcast for, for mm-hmm. football um, and, and basketball stuff. So I know one thing in particular that I think about a lot is, you know, and, you know, a lot of people, these are paid professionals, the scouts and the front office people who, you know, grind tape and, and really like have their own philosophies and, um, you know, just own opinions about, you know, what the actual best players they're going to need so at least at least from your end because like i said just trying to figure out what is it that you know other teams or other decision makers didn't see um so for you and sharif falling that late in the draft what was like just from you know your perspective what do you think it was that had him fall and or what is what was it that sometimes teams miss um so from your perspective what you what do you think made him fall or what do you think um, teams might not have properly valued from what Sharif did at Auburn. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a lot of great questions. I think for me, and this is not at all to sound cocky. I mean, this is my first real draft cycle and diving in and really putting the work in. Um, I personally think teams made a mistake and really overthought things with, with Sharif. Um, I think a lot of it came down to uh, teams being a little bit scared off by his size and his shot, which I do think there's, you know, some understanding there. I get it. Um, but I think for me, like Sharif was a guy I started off a lot lower on in the process, like later on in the first round, not on the lottery. And the more that I watched him and the more that I tried to pick apart his game and, and find holes in it, I just realized at the end of the day, like he is outside. I mean, I think it's different because Cade, you have to factor in like he has the size on top of his court vision and, and, and ability as a passer. But like Sharif gets wherever he wants on court with or without a screen. And he can just take advantage of it, even if he's not like the best scorer in in this this draft. I mean, he's a good scorer with real framework to build upon that. I also think the shot, like I, I was talking to Ricky O'Donnell from over SB Nation about this on a pod the other day. Like, shout out to Ricky. Yep. Um, oh, he's awesome, man. Yeah. But with Sharif, like we talked mm-hmm. about it, and it's like 
Um, especially looking at the shot, like he was coming in off of, uh, you know, really missing a lot of time on court because of uh, the delay for him getting on court at Auburn. Um, and that factored into a shot most likely. He's already a smaller guy. You need your legs a lot to get behind a shot, and that probably factored in. But also he's removed the the lean that he had, like as we've seen in, from combine footage. Like he doesn't have that lean in his shot anymore, which I think is like the only real hang-up with it. But he's also not a guy who's an unwilling shooter. Like I think even if – like my way of looking at him was maybe more like – it's not even boomer bust to me. Like it's just I think even if his, his shot doesn't get figured out so that he is taking pull-up threes – because I think that would be really important for his game. Like he's still going to be one of the best backups in the league. And at the end of the day, I think that's kind of something we miss a lot with analysis. Like we get really focused on starters and having stars, but like we've seen with even looking at Atlanta, like they they really struggled without having a backup point guard all year. Um, like having 48 valuable minutes of play that are positive on court is important. So I think there's a way like you could bring Sharif in. And even if he doesn't pan out as a long-term starter, I think it would have made sense. But um, yeah, I definitely think that that teams are going to regret passing on him the way that he did. What's going on, Raz? We got my guy, Raz. Raz, Mark. Oh, man, how are you Raz. doing? Sorry I'm late, brother. So, <laughs> no worries, man. Nice to meet the, you. The, the job that pays kind of held me up a little bit. But uh, we're here to have a little bit of fun. Uh, what have I missed? Uh, you know, just we just uh, we just got into a little bit of Mark's background. And we were actually we started on Sharif Cooper falling to the Hawks. Okay. So, I mean, Raz, I, we didn't really um, discuss that on our on our recap too too much in depth yeah but what, like, uh, so, what, you, what yeah, go yeah yeah so I, i'll say this so i had sharif somewhere in the 20 to 30 range like in terms of where he should have fell um he was an option for my maligned new york knickerbockers I, I i thought i thought that was somebody they would be interested in um i think the upside was kind of worth just just taking a shot at somebody who who he has balls, man. Like I think he's a gritty kind of player and he, he can create his own shot. Um, I worry about his, his inefficiency um, and his size. Um, I do think sometimes those small guards in the league, you know, people start to hunt them out defensively, you know, on those, on those um, pick and rolls and, and things like that, just to get the matchups that they want. And, you know, his shooting touch wasn't the best. So just a small as a small guard with, that can't shoot that we have to rely to finish amongst the trees um, often was something that kept me up at night when thinking about taking him at, you know, 19 or 21 if I was the Knicks. Um, but falling to where he fell with the Hawks, I didn't think he would fall that far. And I think that's that was kind of the shock. And I think he kind of now falls in a, a situation where he gets to run a second team on a team that. Currently, at this point, is still playing with house money, in my opinion. Um, you know, obviously, they have going to have some more expectations after what they did in the playoffs. But for the most part, people are going to look at the playoffs last year and account for injuries and things like that. So, I mean, I think this team is still going to be playing with house money next year. I mean, Trey just did get paid. So the expectations are going to be higher. But I think Sharif is in a good spot. Um, he fell way too low. I thought he would. The furthest, honestly, I had him going was like 33-34. I could I could definitely see like uh Sharif could be a star in summer league. Like that actual setting yeah. might just be like it, it it could just be perfect for his game. But I know Raz, you did you did touch on um the Knickerbocker. So I do think um just you know moving around a little bit, we could we could get to some free agency stuff um at least. So obviously the Knicks did uh, a lot of maneuvering and you know getting into the free agency stuff. 
uh, re-signed Burks uh, three years, 30. I think um, Noel also got three years. Um, also re-signed Derrick Rose. Um, Taj Gibson yep. came back on a one-year deal. And obviously, Evan Fournier got four years, 85 mil. So a day out. Uh, Mark, we'll get your opinion afterwards. But Raz, as the as the Nick fan um, on the panel, what what do you make of you know? So we we've actually got to see, um, I guess the the blueprint that you know the front office is putting together um, after the draft trade downs and everything. And we, I know you mentioned it was much more frustrating um, in the actual moment than it was afterwards. Uh, you know, yeah. in the actual picks that they had. Uh, but what do what did what do you make of um, the past week of, of Nick's transactions and and how this you know are they actual you know for for next year I think it's going to put them in a in a in an interesting position of um, you know there's probably some regression for the team overall but the team is going to be more talented than it was last year so uh, what what do you make of of the Knicks decisions uh, recently? Um, so everybody's making like a big deal about these three year deals. They paid all these guys. They doubled their salaries. I'm like, first of all, you took flyers on Burks and, and Nerlens, right? Like, those were flyers that they took last year on prove-it deals, and they proved it for the most part. Like, that. Like let's start there. Like, Nerlens proved to be a capable um, defender, and he filled in for Mitchell Robinson when Mitchell Robinson was hurt. Now, you can say, was he $12 million a year? Is, is that a bit much? I don't know if it is. I mean, look, it's the NBA. Like, what, what would you pay him? They can't. Getting, they got too many. I mean, the, th- the, th- the thing with the Nerlens contract, which as as impactful, and Nerlens has always had, you know, this. This is old, like last year was one of the, like the first visualizations of, of Nerlens that it's funny because Nerlens used to get some like when he was coming out. There was like Nerlens was a number one pick. Um, there was hype for him going number one in the draft before he yeah. like tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. So defensively, he's always been uh, like a special anchor um, who has some injury trouble. Um, but the thing, the thing with the Nerlens contract doesn't really make sense is you saw some of the issues for him in the playoffs. But um, afterwards, you have a, you know, you have Mitch Robinson, um, who is a, I think he's going to be restricted next season or ne- yeah, next year. Um, yeah. And you have Obi, who obviously, you know, who shows signs down the stretch. To be honest, to, to give credit to him, we, I know we, we were a little lower on on his fit in the mm-hmm. league due to like, you know, just the lack of, of foot speed. But you mm-hmm. know, they're just collecting centers and. Um, Julius also needs minutes at the five. And I mean, if, if he like if he shoots a little less effectively this year, um, then this could really this could really change, you well, know, yeah, the direction yeah, but, of everything. But but yeah, if he shoots a little inefficient, a little more inefficient than he did this year, obviously I don't expect him to have the same three-point shooting season that he had this year. Like that would I think he'll regress a little bit there. But then you added in Fournier, right? You added you added someone who we both can identify all three of us can identify as as a, a efficient shooter. Like he's somebody he struggled in Boston when he got there. That happens, you know, change of scenery things in th- like in the middle of the season. Point, yeah, like Fournier is probably underrated. From like I think he's a little I, underrated. Pe- people are screaming that it was a terrible deal. And I'm like, want, what are we talking about? Like we the one issue the Knicks had was shooting, and somebody who can get a shot. You signed him. Like you sign one of them, like I don't like that he's not a flashy name to everybody. Like that's the issue. But like Fournier, when he's rolling, he's going to be an eighteen point scorer who's shooting forty percent from three, right? So, Mark, so like, you, yeah, hold on, but not to, not to, not to cut you off because yeah, I think yeah. like a lot of people, a lot of Knicks fans really like you know hated on the Fournier pick. But Mark, I think and and you know in general, I think a lot of the picks or a lot of the Knicks moves made sense. But in general, I'm just a little lost on 
what the actual direction is. And that's just like, that's trademark Nick stuff. So what, what do you make of the, the Knicks offseason, Mark? Yeah, um, it's, I think it's fine. Like, I'm not really, uh, I'm not, I'm not down on it. And I, I think that for me, it's like a C plus B minus. Like I get, I get the direction. Um, I think more of what I was really hoping they would go for with the draft. Like Raz mentioned, I really wanted them to go after Sharif Cooper. I thought it would have made a lot of sense. Um, because to me, when I look at this team, what they really miss is somebody outside of Julius who's going to consistently create offense. And I think they're really relying on on RJ making another leap this next year, which is definitely possible. Like he took an awesome leap this this past year, and I loved watching him play. Um, I still really want to see somebody else who's going to get to the cup consistently and play make for others because I just think right now so much is going to be put on Julius again this next year. Um, and I still believe, like, I don't, I don't think this was just a fake year from him. Like he was fantastic, made real changes to his game and credit to Tibbs for, for putting a great game plan and, um, buy-in from everyone around him. But I still think they're lacking that a little bit. I do agree though. Like the, the talk on some of the deals was wild. Like Burks earned that money. He, it was awesome to see him have the year he had last year after really struggling, um, due to injury and just kind of bouncing around from there. Um, and he was fantastic in the playoffs. Um, I liked him at his money. Like, I think I don't love D Rose's contract, to be honest. Like, I think it's I, I'm not going to like go out and say it's an overpay, but like it's it's whatever. But the Noel money is good. Like Nerlens was really damn good. And I just think he was put in a very tough spot in that Atlanta series. Um, he didn't have an awesome series, but part of that's just how overwhelmingly talented Atlanta was compared to what the Knicks could do, man. Um, so I feel pretty positive about what they've done. Like, I again, I do wish that they'd gone a little bit more in on uh, trying to find somebody who can carry the load a little bit more on offense. But, like, I like Quentin Grimes as a guy who's going to fit in as, as more of a movement shooter with some defense on the side as well. And he has a little bit as a handler that, that might unlock a little bit. I obviously love Deuce McBride. Um, but I just think he's another guy, too. Like, he's a good catch-and-shoot guy. He can play very good defense. Um, he's a good post entry passer. So I like that for Julius, but again, a lot of it's, it seems like the Knicks are really just, uh, focused on building around Julius. And, um, I don't think that's as bad as people are making it out to be like, I think the idea is have another year like this around Randall, see what that looks like, um, and try and maybe fish for a star in the next year. Um, so overall, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty fine with where the Knicks are at and understand where they're going at. And they're not just a flash in the pan for me. You know, shout shout out to the um, to, you know, like I, if Mark, you had a, you had a great tweet earlier uh, earlier today, honestly, and I think like I, I I would love to give you the floor just to like elaborate on it a little bit, um, when you said cap space is probably like just the most overrated entity, like in in professional basketball, like you know, like the cap space and having loads of cap space, you know, it could be anything. Like, do you want the boat? It could, do you want the box? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. it could, you know, it could be anything. It could be a boat or it could be a box. Um, but yeah, like just just like. Cause I, I totally agree with you on, you know, the idea of what could be, um, but yeah, like just, just whatever. I don't, I don't even know what exactly, you know, spurned that thought from you earlier today, but you know, just like, like, yeah, just talk a little bit about just like how people exist. like generally. Cap space doesn't exist, man. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah, I tweeted this out amazing too. Cap space is a social construct, man. Like, um, <laughs> I think we've just seen enough now, like, uh, obviously, it's okay. I, I wouldn't know. Like it, it is important in some regards. Like you can't, like you know like having like a deal like the Chandler Parsons deal or something like that and again that's unfortunate due to injury and everything but like there are like some deals that you don't want to make that are very clear like just negative assets right but um overall I think we've just seen enough throughout the last couple of years that as long as you don't make a massively catastrophic move like cap space is just overrated man at the end of the day like 
so it, it's overrated in both directions. Like I think we talk so much about like, oh, well, the Knicks are going to go out and get a star this summer because they have all this cast space. Same thing with Dallas. And they've ended up filling out with like pretty solid players. Like that's what normally happens. Like you're not often just signing a star outright unless you're yeah. like the Lakers or Miami or whoever is drawing that interest. Um, and also too, like I think we can look at it and be like, well, you know, it's good to have the cap space, but at the same time you have to use and pay good players. Like it's just, we go like way too hard on, on, on how that looks and, and what it means in, in the time being. So that, that's, a, that's where I'm at with cap space. And like, it's, it, you know, it, it's it, everybody's playing on a semi-level playing field with it. Um, and it, it's easier to finagle around it than I think we give it credit for. Like, obviously, like Kevin Love has been like a different aspect. But like even then, you can look at like who's a guy who everybody thought wasn't going to get moved. Um, I can't think off the top of my head right now, but there was a guy West, like West Westbrook. Yeah, like exactly. Like everybody's like, oh, well, West, West, West Westbrook's never going to get traded. And he's been traded, you know, yeah. three years in a row. Um, same thing with Chris Paul. Like. Um, I just don't think that there's such thing as an untradeable contract right now. So it's, you know, there's, there's just, a, there, there's more nuance to it than I think we give it. Yeah, right. I mean, anything else on the, on the no, I'm just saying that what the Lakers have done, um, I, going into it, I was told that they had no cap space. There was zero wiggle room to make any moves in terms of signing anyone. They've signed everyone. Um, on minimums, they'll get a minimum. So I mean, I mean, Kendrick Nunn just took two years, what, like ten mil mid, from there? Yeah, that's their mid level. Yeah, that's their mid level. How many mid levels do they fucking have? <laughs> they get it. Nah, they get, <laughs> that's the. All right, so I think I think it's pretty interesting. Um, because I don't think they had any trade exceptions. Like, so I'm just like, where? What are we doing? Nah, like, all right, so just yeah, just. Um, I think so. They signed. They signed Melo, one year deal, veterans minimum, I believe. Trevor Reza, okay. one year um, deal, veterans min. Um, Kent Bazemore also got the vet min. Um, they signed, yeah, Kendrick Nunn and, and Malik Monk. Um, all those guys, yeah, because I, I think if my if my math is correct, I believe AD Bron and. And uh, Russ, let's work on the quadruple super max. Yeah, but they, yeah, they, he's making like I think guys, he's making 44 mil next year. Yeah, all those, guys, <laughs> those yeah. three guys basically take up their whole cap. So, um, I mean, you know, like I said, but you look at any other team, this is the this is the benefit that the Lakers have, you know, playing in LA, having Braun and AD because not any any other team pretty much, um, outside of the glamour markets wouldn't be able to fill their actual, you know, the like the, the fringes of their, their roster, which I, I would say Palenka is doing, you know. Even though he's getting the AARP All Stars on his team, um, you know I think they're getting enough shooting. Um, I have my own takes, but Mark, what what, what have you made of uh, the Lakers offseason so far? Um, I I was interested. I still don't really know uh, where I sit on everything with Russ. Like I think um, it's more for me. I, I'm not really gonna have a real concrete opinion until how we see a play on court. Um, it's so odd how uh, you know how like I mean Russ is just like one of the four or five guys in the league. I mean, him and DeMar both uh, who, who signed today, like two of the most divisive guys in terms of like how people view them. And I think there's a lot of middle ground. Like Russ was really good for half of last year. The other half of last year was catastrophic, but also you have to take it in mind. Like he had an injury. Um, it's going to be very odd to see how he fits with LeBron and, and, and AD. And I'm, I'm honestly like, I'm not really that worried about the offense for the Lakers. I'm just more interested to see how the defense looks like losing Caruso hurts a lot. Um, 
I also think losing KCP was like just so important for what they do defensively as, as a chaser, um, even playing at the point of attack too. Like that's that's losing a lot defensively and one of their more consistent floor spacers too. Um, but I mean, it's going to be looking okay. Well, can 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 Russ find a little bit more defensively that that hasn't been there for him for a while? Um, but ultimately, looking at the signs they made, like I like Kent Bazemore as a as a, as a minimum signing. I like uh, I don't love Dwight to be completely honest. I think Dwight was was really rough in Philadelphia last year. Um, I don't really know what he's bringing to this team to be completely honest. But that's you know again, that's not a minimum sign, so you can't fault it. Um, bringing back THT, especially on that deal, I think is a plus. They're hoping for a lot him. more out of him. I wanted to yeah, ask you about sure. him um, because uh, THC is one one guy that you cannot get a rational opinion out of him <laughs> um, from Lakers fans. Um, Lakers, like yeah, Lakers fans, like they love to overrate their prospects. Um, all yeah. teams do. As as a prospect, though, what what do you make of THC and what do you see from his first couple of years? Because I feel like um, the discourse um, is pretty is pretty wide ranging on him. But what do you make of him as a, as a player? I mean, I like him. Uh, he's had really good flashes. Uh, he's like one of the craziest drivers in basketball for me because not not that he's like better than everybody else, but he's got really long strides. He has those crazy long arms. He's got a fairly tight dribble for 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 his build My and the way that he attacks. Um, it's just going to be finding more of a consistent shot for him because I think that's the biggest thing for him is like is you know if he's not going to be able to consistently space the floor next year then that's going to be a big problem. Um, and it's going to be harder to see how he's going to have more of a consistent role. But I buy that coming along. Um, I really like him, especially, I mean, defensively, he's really figured things out. Um, he still has a lot to work on off the ball, but on the ball, he brings a lot. Um, I mean, it, it's been awesome for him just to, to get the, the minutes that he got last year. Like I'm one of the things that I'm looking forward to, not just for the Lakers, but in general is, um, seeing how this last year impacts development for guys league-wide. Because we saw, I mean, just much deeper benches last year um, with all the guys out with health and safety protocol. You saw a lot more guys get playing time or more playing time in, in bigger roles than I think we would have seen in a traditional year. And I think that's going to be good for for some of the development of young guys. So I'm excited for THG. I actually um, am trying to think it through. Like, I would be kind of surprised if he doesn't start next year. Um, like Right, yeah, or I finish. Think- or if he got a chance to finish, to be on the finishing line. Yeah, too, like he's I mean, somebody who I would, I mean, like just thinking about their roster now. Like obviously they signed Malik Monk too, which I I loved that deal. Yeah, um, that's a great. That was a I great think one. it's fantastic. Uh, like he's he he showed a lot with Charlotte last year. The shot is uh, is finally coming around. The defense has gotten a lot better, especially just as a rotational defender. Um, he's not a guy who's going to like pop off with like crazy steals or blocks or anything, but he just he's in the right place, and I think he's going to be very good there. Um, I, I mean, yeah, uh, Trevor Reza is – I mean, he's he's 37 now, I think, uh, but he still provides some value there. Like, I really like what they did with their UDFAs as well. Like, Joel Ai was a guy to me who I had borderline first round, um, and especially coming in as a role player automatically, like, he's going to be very good there. I think he's a guy I'll play on the – you know, off the bench um, and have real rotation minutes by the end of the year. I think Austin Reeves is probably a little bit closer – I mean, a little bit farther away. Um but he's a guy who I think is going to have an impact too. Like I've liked they need they need some shooting. So yeah, he got a chance to considering they have to do everything on the margins with how much money they have on their top three guys. Like I like what they're doing for the most part. Yeah, and even even with the uh, I guess you know parlaying into I think the team that had the other most interesting 
uh free agency um in the in the, in the last 24 hours you know like lonzo ball was that was funny because i was taking a nap when free agency started and i was awake oh rookie mi- rookie mistake man i <laughs> i had to, i had the world alerts on so i was ready but um mm. yeah so lonzo got 485 um lonzo's another one to where i think like he kind of um I, I think just where people see him and i think there is a segment of people who i guess see another avenue for, for more upside there but even if you don't lonzo is a really solid player um lonzo caruso they they brought in who they stole from the lakers and you know the um the demar contract that also came down so what do you guys make of um chicago i know even um like as a, i'm a huge Lori marketing fan still i still believe uh i know even once the um <laughs> once the nicola trade came down <laughs> i'm laughing because i got Kendrick perkins in my head as i was trying to <laughs> what's the uh what's the um yeah what's the Vucevic trade came down um i like i know that was probably the end of of laurie in chicago um and defensively you know I, I do think you know lonzo and caruso on the wings um you know i think it, i think it fits pretty well next to somebody like um Vucevic and um the fact that they have um DeRozan now who also occupies this weird spot in the league as a player um, so what, what do you guys make of, you know, where this, um, where this actual Bulls team is going to be next year? They obviously gave up the GOAT, Thaddeus Young, which, oh, you know, sucks. Sad, he was a huge part. He was a huge part. A huge Thaddeus Young fan here. Um, but, Mark, what, what, did you, what have you made of, of this Bulls offseason so far? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, again, having to look at everything in a vacuum. Like, I uh, – I know a lot of people were crying out that DeMar got overpaid. I'm not, you know, it's, I, I think he got paid a little bit more than I would have paid him, but at the same time, like, like we're talking about with cap space, um, that deal it still moves. Exactly. Like looking at next year, they're just, they're going to be a better team next year. This is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since I was in high school. So, I mean, it's at, at, at the end of the day, you have to get good at basketball at some point. And I think the bulls have that next year. I loved what they did for getting Vooch last year, obviously. Um, it, it's it makes me sad trading Thad. Um, I still think like they're expecting probably a lot more out of Pat Will this year as a as a sophomore. Um, but I loved it, man. Like Demar is going to be fantastic in, in getting consistent rim pressure for them, opening things up for that offense. I know it's a little bit wonky looking at how that's going to be spacing wise, but I'm not I'm not really too perturbed by it. Like I think like like we mentioned, Lonzo he's developed himself in a consistent floor spacer. I think this is an awesome context for him too because it's pretty clear that they know they are not going to ask Lonzo to run their offense because that's not the player he is. And that's not a bad thing. Like he's more of a wing than he is like a true lead ball handler, but he's awesome as a wing. Like he's a very good connective playmaker. He's awesome in transition. He's a good shooter on high volume. Now, like I just really like the moves that they made and I, I don't, I don't know how I would have them shaking out in the top of the East. We still have, you know, a lot more time to come to figure that out. But, um, I liked the moves that they made. I, I appreciate that that um, Arturis Karnasovic and Mark Eversley decided to go all in uh, and figure things out from here. And, and, and another thing, and not to keep going all like on and on, but like I just like that. Um, I mean, I, I wish that people look at it more in terms of like you know. I think people see the contracts and like, oh well, this is this is all what it's locked in for for the next however long. Like, very rarely do we ever actually see guys play out their full contract with the team, especially when it's this big. Um, I think you have to look at it one year at a time, which, you know, maybe sounds a little bit reductive, but I just think looking at this next year, knowing what this team is going to look like, you have to look at it from there. Um, if, I mean, the, there, there's room for moves to be made from here. And it's not just all concrete like this, but I like what, I, I like what the Bulls are doing so far. How about you, Raz? 
I don't think they're gonna play any damn defense. That's my, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my first uh my first thought. Um Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic, you leave your defense in the hands of Lonzo and and hope hope that Pat Will progresses um as a defender. I mean he's not bad, don't get me wrong, but you know, just adapting to the NBA game and the offenses, the offensive prowesses that he has to see every night. Um, but I mean, these are all good moves, and I think this team is clearly better. Um, they have now more of a veteran presence. I know they got loose la- late last year, so um, it might have just been a little bit too late, too late last year to to make that push. They did start pushing, but it, they just didn't have enough. Um, Demar is going to bring what Demar brings every night, and that's going to be twenty five and five. So you can always use that. Did he get overpaid? Whatever. I don't know. Um, I would have liked not my money. Much. Not my money. Like it is what it is. I think this team has, has improved. Lonzo and DeMar are improvements on this roster. Um, and then that puts Kobe White back. I don't know. That, that was actually what I was about to say. Cause I don't know. Like, I don't know if like Kobe's on the block. I don't know if they're gonna try and like swing him for like some more. Did, they they like, resign. They resign right? Sadaransky was traded to um, New Orleans in the yeah. um, oh. in the Lonzo in the Lonzo signing trade um, where they got or the, the Graham signing trade. I don't know exactly. Um, I have it written down here somewhere. That, yeah, yeah, it was I, don't, I don't know if they that Graham yeah. trade. That Graham trade is malpractice. Like that's that's that is my like. Oh man, they gave up a first for him too. Like, is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. All right, so I think <laughs> I think it's a pretty uh, like I said, Kobe White. I just don't know what they're gonna do. Like possibly they they um you know trade him for another guard. Can he play next to you know Lonzo and Caruso? Hypothetically, you know those are the type of guards yeah. you need next to somebody like Kobe. Um, but you know four four score. I know his first, his rookie season did score a lot of um score a lot of flashing. Last year was a little more um inconsistent just from the role and um. Um, his production, but yeah, I think going to New Orleans and Raz, this is something that we talked about. Um, you know, I don't hate. Um, I like the uh, Troy, uh, Trey Murphy pick. You know that that was something that I really did enjoy. You know, Valachunas is obviously an upgrade from from what they had. Um, Devontae Graham, you know, I don't like. I, I guess you know him and him and Kira is going to be a. Uh, I guess you could have worse guards than than uh, Kira and. And Devontae, um, Devontae, like I saw, I saw the stat about Devontae. Like his his finishing is really tough. Um, but you basically like I think his his shooting, his shooting, his pull up shooting is real. Um, and I do think he's a he's a pretty good passer uh, when you put him in there. So, um, I think yeah, at, at least for you, Mark, what what do you make of of the Pelicans? And I know a lot of people have put pressure on, and obviously people are saying the Zion clock is on. You know, for somebody like Zion, who you know, like. God, God bless Zion. I'm gonna pray for his health um, throughout his career because, like, just just the frame and his athleticism. Um, you just like wish for long term health for for a guy like Zion. But you know, yeah. is he actually gonna take the qualifying offer? You know, like Porzingis is really the only guy who you know I think the league has you know considered a max guy that most teams would you know value as a max guy that didn't end up signing that contract with his original team. Um, from the actual recent. You know, or yeah, from the past like 10, 15 years off the top of my head at least. But what what do you make of the direction of this Pelicans team, Mark? Yeah. Um, I think the Pelicans are the team that I've probably been the most critical of so far, other than Sacramento. Um, like 
I I just don't really like it's tough because I think looking at the Memphis deal, like um getting uh Valentinus back, I think made sense. Like I, I like what he could do. I think he makes more sense. Uh but also like I think you have to look at that looking a little bit back to last year too. Like they're not making this this dump off move if they don't sign terrible contracts last year and take on Eric Bledsoe. And it's less about taking on Eric Bledsoe. Obviously it's more about signing Steven Adams. Um, but clearly they just they had to get off of what what are viewed as bad assets on their roster and paying to do so. So I think just on surface, that's not great. I do like what they got back, but that you again, you have to pay to make that happen. Um, I actually like Devontae Graham quite a bit. Like I don't think he's a better player than Lonzo Ball necessarily, but like I had actually had them in like close to the same tier. Um, like what he brings, I know his finishing is rough. I also would say it's not bad. Yeah, I also would say I can't stand stat views, man. Like they, uh, they, they find like they, they grift the hell out of some of those things, man. Like just the dog guys. But, um, with Devontae, like the pull up shooting is legit. And I think even if he's not getting to the rim a ton, he does a lot as I mean, with the way that he's able to pull guys out with his gravity as a three point shooter, um, he does a lot more as a playmaker for an offense and leading an offense in some regards than I think Lonzo has in the past. So I like that. For, for New Orleans, it clears things up a little bit. It's still not perfect. I Ideally, like you want somebody who's more of a downhill driver that can open things up. But I think you can bank on Kira Lewis doing that. Like he had a really good rookie year. I, I actually wish that he'd gotten more playing time. Um, so I'm excited for how that looks. I, I like Trey Murphy a lot too, and he makes a lot of sense on that team. Um, but again, it's more just like I, I, I look at a lot of the stuff that New Orleans has done, and it's just trying to rectify past mistakes that they made. Um, so I'm not – uh, I, I'm a little bit down on, on where they're at. I, I, again, like looking at Devontae, like, I mean, they could have clearly just signed him in cap space um, and they traded a first round pick to get him. Uh, so it, that was like a little bit rougher there. Um, I still think that they have the the bones in place to be a, a pretty good team moving forward. But I just personally think that David Griffin and the, the team overall, I mean, not team overall, but the organization overall has kind of bungled some things. I mean, David Griffin has been selling us um, this pack for quite some time. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a better way to put it than I put it, man. He, he's it's been nothing but mid grade, um, dressed up in, in designer packaging. I just don't, I don't get how we're allowing. I mean, he clearly has the wool over the Pelicans' ownership eyes because well, other the than ownership, don't really. I mean, the Pelicans' ownership, they're only concerned with. The Benson's are only concerned with the Saints. So, like, you know, like I kind of just see the Pelicans as, like, you know, that family's tax write-off. Like, they've never really showed us to really care. It's like it's like, animal, the Texas, but... it's like the the McNair family with the Texans, bro. Yeah. Like, they gave it to their lunatics on the run, realistically. Like, he was – like, it's just – I digress. Either way, the Pelicans haven't proven that they're building around – I mean, yes, Graham, for all intents and purposes, in theory – is a shooter, right? Well, let's go in theory and I shoot. Say, I don't... He's a shooter. He's a shooter. He's a shooter. Yeah, he shoots. He shoots. The shots go up for sure. Shot. He will shoot the shots. Do they go in? Debatable. Um, I think just all the other moves that this they're is making. Your that's your Kansas look... hate talking right there. <laughs> that's I'm fair. all right with Kansas hate, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a Kansas. I'm not a Kansas guy. I don't know if I'm hate. I don't have much hate for Kansas players other than like Perry Ellis because he I feel like he's still there. 
Um, I won't like, be surprised, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I gotta, I gotta give my guy there. Yeah, like he, he, he's a shooter, man. Like he, it's the rim finishing that's pretty bad for Devontae. Yeah, the rim finishing is bad, but the, the shooting is legit, especially because it's taking a lot of stuff off movement and contested. Like he takes some tough yeah. shots. Yeah, he takes some tough shots. Nah, I yes, he look. I hear you. He's a park player. I, I'm not. A, he, that's exactly what he is. But I, I don't have. Do you guys see that working for Zion? Like, is this is this going to be? A team that even competes for the playing game this year? I think I think I for, for you at least, Mark. Um, and I'm I'm somebody who's always been a very big uh Brandon Ingram fan. Um, but what what do you make of the fit between them two? You know, because I think um it's it's it remains to be seen if that's gonna be the core that they're gonna want to build around. They're both extremely talented. Is it the best fit for for each other? Um, can you move forward with those, those guys are both extremely talented. Um, obviously they went top two in drafts uh, for a reason, but what do you make of the actual fit between Brandon and, and, and Zion? Yeah. Well, just to backtrack a little bit. I mean, like Raz made a great point, man. Like, I, I mean, it, even though this team has made some improvements, I don't know. I mean, like it feels like unless they're banking on, I mean, it feels like they're banking on a lot of major internal development um, to be a playoff team next year, even a play-in team next year. Like even let's say, okay, Jackson Hayes takes a leap, which I think is realistic because he did towards the end of last year. Obviously you're anticipating Zion taking another leap somehow. And I guess to me, that leap would hopefully be finding more consistency on defense. Um, You're hoping Nikhil Alexander Walker takes another leap and he had a really, some really bright flashes last year. They're losing Josh Hart. You know, there's, they're filling out parts of the roster still, but Again, you're banking on a lot of internal development. I just don't know. Like, okay, let's just go go down right now. Like, Utah is going to be close to one of the top teams in the league again next year. Phoenix as well. Denver. The Clippers even losing Kawhi. Um, I still think the Clippers are going to be pretty good next year. Like, that team is still better constructed than, than New Orleans is right now, unless they deal with some more injuries. Dallas has Luka. I mean, obviously things can change up with injuries, but like, you just keep going down. Like Memphis is is probably in a better spot than New Orleans is right now as a competitive team. Um, I mean, the, you're getting to New Orleans being in that same range as Sacramento, Minnesota. I mean, Golden State is taking another step up this year after you know obviously having Clay gone all of last year. They've improved on the margins too. So like, yeah, I I don't really know how to view where this New Orleans team is at right now. I, I think they're still kind of on the outside looking in in the playoffs. Yeah, I think yo, um, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the Sacramento Kings. So I think um, oh, just, to, just to backtrack a little bit, um, because <laughs> I str- I struggled with it uh, originally because that they they never make sense. The organization like the, that is the that make, is the truth. They they can they can like they can find talented players, but you know just in general, like I I love Davion Mitchell and I did like like um Myers Keita, like somebody who I, I I was interested by what he did last year. I'm mean, interested to what he could do as a big in the league. But like in general, like what was you like? Just just to talk a little bit about your beef with, um, or just what your what was your reaction on draft night after the Davion pick? Which I guess it really like the more I think about it, the, the less it does make sense in my head. Although, <laughs> like I, I love him as a player, but what the hell? What the hell are they? What the hell are they doing? Like is, is Vivek just? <laughs> yeah, um, man, I don't have a great read on that team. I feel like there's probably stuff that we don't know that that goes on with that that front office because of Vivek just based on reporting and everything that's come out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Davion Mitchell. I think I was higher on him than some people, not quite to, you know, the mainstream consensus of having him as a top 10 pick. Like I viewed him as more like a borderline lottery guy. Um, 
but I think if you're higher on what his improvements were last year and that those are uh, sustainable, then I think I could see it. Um, but at the same time, you're saying, okay, well, you're drafting a guy who's strictly a, a strictly a lead guard to play alongside De'Aaron Fox. Like that just doesn't make sense. Like I think I look at it, especially when you're drafting the lottery like that. What's the pathway for this guy being a starter? Like th- this team very clearly needed and has needed for quite a few years somebody who's going to play the three full time for them. They don't have that. Like they're they they had two chances to do that. Like again, you're you're probably not getting somebody who's going to be a full time starting three for you with the 39th pick. I like the Myers Cato a lot. But, I mean, they had opportunities to take guys who, who made a lot more sense. Like you could have taken Moses Moody at nine. Um, just somebody who makes a lot more sense for this team developmentally and moving forward. To me, Davon Mitchell's not that guy. Like I like him a lot, but it's just you could say, all right, well, I mean, maybe they're going to run out a lineup with Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton. Like that is – we've seen three-guard lineups play, but like at the same time, I'm just – I'm not there. And this team has clearly had a hole at the three for a long time. So it's just – it was a little vexing to me. Um, re-signing Rashawn Holmes especially, like I expected him to get more. Like he signed for four for 55. Like there were reports of him getting like four for 80 potentially with Charlotte. Yeah, that that fell through obviously. Um, and I love that. I mean that's a great deal for them. But what have they done to actually get better for next year? Because I'm not yeah. seeing that. Like, like you mentioned uh, – you know, where, like, you know, how close is, uh, are, are we to, to Zion not wanting to be in, in New, Orleans, New Orleans anymore? I am, like, two weeks away from from starting to beat the drum for free De'Aaron Fox because, Started. like... We was talking about that, yeah. We was talking about that like, on... And on I, I try not to be, like, too much like that, but at the same point, like, they have to be willing to commit a lot more than this uh, to, to, to building around De'Aaron Fox because this is going to be year four for him. He was a guy who I think, I mean, there was definitely a case where he could have been an all-star last year. Um, took real meaningful strides. I just I, I don't really see what Sacramento is doing. And unless some kind of deal comes together, like I know they've been reported as being interested in Ben Simmons. I just don't know who they're trading to make that. Like I am not interested in a deal centered around Buddy Heel if I'm the if I'm the 76ers. That's not enough for me to trade Ben Simmons. <laughs> no, um, I should not be. Yeah, exactly. And like, so I just I don't I don't know what they're doing without trade. Like I don't want to be too overly critical before the offseason is over, but Based on how it started, I'm I'm really not too encouraged on what they're doing. Who's ha- like who's happy in Sacramento right now? Like I feel like like nobody. I don't like is Luke is Luke, Luke Walton might just be happy to have a job. Like that's, I still can't be, believe he has a job to be completely. That's honest what I'm saying. But like but, even even yeah, even talking about the fit between the three, you know, Halliburton is like I feel like he's a really instinctual off ball defender, you know. But he himself is like not the biggest guy, just like girth wise, not somebody who you would really want sliding up to 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 guard bigger wings. Um, Darren Fox, you know, he can move his feet on defense. I really, I really wouldn't call him a great defender. Yeah. Um, and Mitchell, although he's extremely pesky, he is like he's a one positional defender to me. Yeah, like, 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 like there are some like, twos he can defend, but like guys he's not somebody you're gonna throw on wings. So yeah, guys are gonna shoot over him. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Um, I think I think Raz, another um, I think the other, you know, big takeaway from free agency would be um, you know, the Heatles and and uh Riley and Miami. So um Lowry to the Heat, um kind of you know it was a, it was not a, it was the secret, like the it was out. Everybody kind of knew this was something that had a really high chance of happening. Um a lot of people thought it would happen um off, over the offs, I mean at the trade deadline. So like obviously I, as as I try and like grapple between takeaways from like the last like year and a half, I'm kind of just throwing out everything that happened in the bubble. 
I kind of think like the sample from that Heat team against the Bucks in the first round this season is closer to their, their real selves than what happened in the bubble. But um, Lowry to the Heat, um, they also signed P.J. Tucker. How much better do those signings make them? Um, they also re-signed Duncan, Duncan Robinson for, what did he get, four years, 90, I think? He got it all, bro. Duncan Robinson got it all, man. He was always getting it, but yeah. <laughs> um, The Heat. I think they're a better team with Kyle Lowry. Um, obviously, obviously. Yeah, like that. Like Kyle Lowry, um, as for as much disrespect as he's gotten over his career, greatest Raptor of all time. Um, hang up the hang up the jersey right now. Um, but he he um, he improves his team. Um, their window hasn't gotten any bigger with him. I don't think um, as he is an aging player. Um, I don't know how they're going to maximize this roster. Um, maybe it is the steadiness of Kyle Lowry that just maximizes it and gets them a step above what they were last year. But I don't think they return to championship heights with this signing. I think the East is going to be just too competitive and talent will win out at some point, whether it is the Nets, the Bucks, um, you know, we could see the Celtics getting their shit together. If you want to get, I know you don't see it. I, I'm not hoping on it, but I, I mean, it, if they're healthy, they, I, I don't, like the Celtics, I, the Celtics are taking a step backwards this this uh, this summer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I I, but I'm saying, main, I say that's the, the group. Yeah, that's the that's the. But I'm saying that's the the team they're gonna have to compete with. I don't think that I like. Do you think the Heat currently right now are better than the Celtics? Yes, because we're not even talking about the Sixers yet. So, like, do are the Heat are they like are the Heat are the Heat the Heat are better than the Celtics? So as currently constructed yeah. right now. Where do you see the Heat? Like, just hypothetically, are they a five seed? They, see, they, yeah, they seem like a top. They seem like a top four. Um, you know that that needs some help to really get into that next group. But what what do you make of of the Heat, Mark? Yeah, I mean, obviously Kyle Lowry makes them better on both ends of the ball. Uh, Goran Dragic really took a step back last year due to injury health, and just yeah, getting health, old, yeah. man. Like, I mean, it's uh, with with trying to say this in the nicest way possible. Like, I don't think I've seen a player literally just look older in one year like I've seen Goran Dragic. Like, he went from like even just his hair, man, like completely yeah. grayed out. Like, you could tell that that the bubble really wore on him. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a big upgrade for them. But like you mentioned, too, like I tweeted this out a couple of days ago or, or when the when the deal it feels like a couple of days ago. I was like, I mean, they are certainly not doing anything to lower Florida's median uh, age by by bringing in some of the guys that they brought in. Like I, I like the signings. P.J. Tucker, I think, was a good signing, not a great signing. Like it, it does some stuff for them that makes sense. But ultimately, like their offense, I think they they lost some of what they like the, the offensive groove that they'd really found. Uh, that made them what they were in the bubble. They never really found that again last year. Part of that was tragic being in, in and out with injury and just dealing with uh, with kind of a down year. I think the hope is that Kyle Lowry brings some of that because, frankly, he's just a better offensive player at this point, better defensive player. Like, a lot of it's going to be the heat banking on being one – I mean, that, just looking at them right now, they're the team that I would buy as, as the best defense in the league next year based on the improvements they've made. Uh, they signed Markeith Morris not too long ago, which I think – it, it doesn't fully answer the questions for me. Like the Heat were one of the teams I was thinking would be looking at potentially signing Rudy Gay, somebody to really unlock some things for them, uh, you know, in terms of lineup versatility, um, you know, bringing some more stuff, uh, better, just different looks defensively and, and different looks offensively as well. It's still spacing. Um, but PJ does that and he's a good defender, but like other than shooting corner threes, 
it's really hard to envision how PJ is going to impact that offense. And he's not necessarily who I want starting during the regular season um, as a team trying to, you know, bank on getting wins to get a higher seed. So I think they still have some moves to make. Uh, I would like to see them try and complete some kind of trade, but ultimately, I mean, the heat have just gotten better and I, I like the moves that they've made. Um, but I still am a little bit hesitant to put them as like the, one of the top teams. Uh, I mean, they are one of the top teams for me, but like, I don't think that they are better than the Sixers. I don't think they're better than Brooklyn. Uh, I guess you could make a case about Milwaukee, but Milwaukee just won the title. Um, and I still think that they have obviously the best player. Um, so, yeah, right now Miami's taking move, meaningful steps, but I'm just not entirely sure that they're uh, they're like a, a top two or three team in the East for me. Yeah, they're gonna they really bank, like they need like it, it's gonna I guess it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, like it really does make like somebody like Tyler Hero, his year three is gonna be really really important yeah. for them. Um, because if he gets back to like you know anything close to what he was giving them in the bubble um, and when the hype was getting a little out of control with him. But yeah, if he, if he, if he takes another step and, you know, like a little more, like I, I feel like at the beginning of the season, Bam showed a lot more, you know, comfort in his, you know, his offensive game. Um, I think that might be another, you know, if, if they do take another step, I do think it's going to really come down to like Bam and, and Hero uh, giving his team um, an additional layer offensively. Uh, but I, I did want to, um, you know, before, before we uh, get to the, to the, uh, bottom half of the show uh mark you obviously do cover uh the pacers very closely um so it always gives us a, a nice little chance to talk about the pacers uh, the pacers are a little more interesting than i feel like people might give them credit for um from from a national perspective um that the, the roster is also better than i feel like people there's a lot of talent on that team um shout out to goja um uh, shout out to goja Bataza. that's another guy who one of my draft moves, I would say, coming out. So I've always been a big Gozier fan. Um, like, I, I, I'll be interested. But um, just to get your perspective on this, because I, I feel like the story didn't get, you know, I mean, it got a lot of run um, nationally. Um, but I think the dysfunction inside the, the Pacers locker room, I feel like it got kind of knocked down by some of the other um, NBA stories. So it might not have really took center stage. Um, but with Nate Bjorkman, uh, what, what did you make, at least from somebody who covered the team much closer um, and, and followed, um, you know, the press conference and just the, you know, dynamic of the actual roster. What what was from your perspective? Uh, what what went wrong in the in the Pacers locker room for somebody who uh, might not have been tapped in? Yeah, um, man, dude, a, a a lot went wrong with that. Uh, I think there was actually a really good episode of the. Uh, I think it was. I can't remember JJ Reddick's, but it's Old Man in the Three. That it came out with Karis LeVert on it, and he yeah, talked a little bit on some, some yep, of that yep, stuff, yep. which was. Very eye-opening, um, but essentially, like a lot of stuff just started leaking. And it was, even before it broke nationally, there was like probably a month or two before then we started hearing stuff about things that were going on in the locker room um, from from some of the team insiders. Uh, like something that came out after, just to to give a little bit. Uh, like Nate Bjorken had banned do rags uh, on team road trips, which that's like that's a big big freaking red flag to me, man. That's racist, bro. Uh, yeah, that's a little that's just, a little shaky. You don't, yeah. Exactly. Um, it's just a lot of stuff that, you know, in retrospect, you could kind of see like, like, yeah, this doesn't look great. Um, I think the, the biggest way to put it is he micromanaged everything. Like that's, that's all the reporting came out was just micromanagement. And like, even like, so mentioning Karis, like um, Karis talked about in that interview, you know, I, uh, he talking, like he, he, he compared his rehab coming back from freaking cancer to, to what he was doing rehabbing from, from having a broken foot in Brooklyn. Like, 
So having that broken foot in Brooklyn, he mentioned like he would practice for two weeks with the G League team before he even like before the training staff even contemplated. Uh, <laughs> this Paul Pockets guy is hilarious, man. Um, but <laughs> man said no ways on road trips. Uh, but I mean, like he. Uh, so so Karis talks about like having this huge ramp up process to getting back to being on court in Brooklyn, and then in Indiana, he scrimmage for for four minutes uh without it wasn't even with the g league team it was with the the full-on team and coach bjorkin tells him he's starting that night and so like in, instead of like that, that just shows you the difference process and i think it's a little bit like i do think that a lot of this is on the pacers organization obviously that's why they made this course correction firing him moving on uh but that's kind of the microcostal view of like yeah nate bjorkin had his hands in everything last year and what was going on um it was ugly uh, it was just honestly, it got to a point where I uh, I was I was kind of glad that they didn't make the playoffs because it was not a fun team to watch. You could tell they were they they were were not into it, especially as the year went on. Um, a lot of just questionable things going on schematically too. Like just for reference, like why are you playing thirty feet out on Andre Drummond when he doesn't have the ball? Like that stuff happened routinely last year. Or like face guarding uh, Brooke Lopez on an inbounds play and, and giving like a wide open lane to the rim, like stuff like that would happen over and over and over again. And it was just uh, the on court stuff was already damning. the uh, The off court stuff was was even worse. And I was uh, glad that he got well, saying glad that somebody got fired sounds wrong, but at the same time, I just think that there was more than enough to warrant that. Um, and I'm glad the team made that decision and, and moved on to somebody who I think will be a lot better than Rick Carlisle. The Pacers, man, listen, uh, they got better. Let's go with that. Um, I think they're a very underrated team. Um, people like to tell me that Sabonis is under is overrated. I don't know how you could say such a thing. Um, the Miles Turner situation is he's something not that he's not. He's not overrated. He's just not perfect. Like I Few players are. I mean, we have to start. Nobody is, man. Nobody. We have is. to start thinking about that. Like, how many of these players? You have to look at these players for what they are instead of what you want them to be. And I think exactly. that's what, that's what uh we, we kind of get into it. Like, Oh, I need, everybody can't, everybody's not LeBron. Nobody's Durant. Like the, these guys are generational one-on-ones for a reason. So we have to leave it like that. Like you're looking at someone who averaged, what did Simone's average last year? I, and seven. Yeah, I think it's 2012, 2012 and seven. That sounds about right. Yeah. What's the issue there? So it's just like Miles Turner is where things get tricky. Um, he's yep. been in trade rumors since I was in college. So, like, it's one of those things where it's just like, are they going to trade him or are they going to keep him? Um, he's a very yeah, no, useful. So, yeah, to stay, to stay, to stay there, Raz, because I did put this on the rundown. And I like, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a, I think I'm higher on on Miles Turner than the general consensus. And like I said, um, he's been in some tricky spots, just, you know, roster building. And I think, you know, it's funny because, like, considering um, the Paul George trade and as far, like, to take it back to that timeline, considering that they got, um, you know, Sabonis, which is another all-star back um, in that deal, and and all the depot, they won that trade. It's not often that I would say you trade your – your star player and you get you get a respectable return like that um and to get two all-stars back in general which is like so shout out to the 
um, Pacers front office and, and Kevin Pritchard for that, I would say. Um, but, but, for, but for you, Mark, I would say, just from somebody who covers the team and watches this team, where are you at on, on Miles? Because I do think, like, depending on, like I said, like I put on the rundown, depending on who uh, is talking and when the conversation is coming down, he can fall on any side of the overrated or underrated totem pole. So where are you at on, on Miles Turner? And like I said, he's just been a proverbial human trade chip. Um, yeah. so, so where are you at with Miles? Yeah, uh, no, that's a great question. I think um, for me, I try and fall a little bit more in the middle, but I also think uh, I, I just don't really see a lot of people who overrate him, to be completely honest. Like a lot of the talk is always like, you know, the idea of Miles Turner is better than actual Miles Turner. And like, I, I don't think anything irks me quite like that. Um, because that just tells me people might not be watching him. Uh, like I think outside of Rudy Gobert, he's probably the best rim protector in the NBA. Well, probably being more mobile on the perimeter than Rudy Gobert. Um, and well, not probably he is more mobile. And I mean, Ru- Rudy to his credit is mobile, may, way more mobile than I think he's credit for. But like when you got a guard, um, man. But yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that is that's a tough car- cover, regardless, man. But like I think looking at it. Um, I mean, Miles, if he's healthy all of last year, he probably makes second team all NBA. I mean, not all NBA, all, second team all defense. Um, got, yeah, got that, got a little, little bit of a difference in that one. But uh, he made real, real improvements as an offensive player last year, even if the numbers don't show it. Like he just, he was a guy who always struggled with uh, keeping the ball moving um, and, 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 you know, with, with just quicker decision making. And that really came along for him last year. He had his best season that he'd ever had at the rim, really figured out some stuff in terms of putting the ball on the floor and, and, and driving, which you don't see from a lot of guys who are 6'11 shot blockers. So that was promising. And that's something he's been putting together for a couple of years. Um, just really improved his inside game. And while the numbers don't show that, like I think it's just important in watching, like that stuff was very apparent. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who is like your, your second best offensive player on a team, which is fine. Like he doesn't need to be. He's your best player on defense and, and you can build the defense around him. Um, just strictly for his sake, like, first of all, I mean, cause I've talked to him a couple of times, love him. He's an awesome dude. I just want him to have some clarity on what the hell is going to happen. Because like you mentioned, like he's literally been in trade talks for almost five years now. Like it's just getting to a point where it's like, okay, well, it almost just feels like unfair to him in some ways to like keep having him up in rumors like this all the time. And I know Kevin Pritchard in the front office always want to have like a, they're, they're open with, with who's in rumors. Like they let the guys know. And I appreciate that. But at the same time, like if I'm miles Turner and I know for, you know, three and a half, four straight years that I'm on the trading block or I'm the guy who could hinge on changing things. Like I just want to have stability and know that I'm going to be here long-term or somewhere long-term. Um, so I, I do think like looking at this Pacers team, like they're they're not they're not be, they're not where I uh, I think um, some people, especially more Pacers fans, would view them. Like I think some teams are some people are like, oh well, you know they got Rick Carlisle, um, they've made some changes, like they're they're going to be a top four team. And I just I don't see that right now. Like I think they'd really need a lot to go right for them for that to happen. Um, and I think they're still probably a move away from from being a team that I view as like a top three or top four team in the East. Um, but but just on Miles in general, like I, he's a very good player, and I think he gets a, a little bit of unfairness towards him, partially because I mean some sort of some of the same stuff as like Jaron Jackson Jr. gets a lot of like, um, and same thing with like Marcus All. They're not great rebounders, but you have to look at why. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. has really high hips. He's not super strong on his base. It's not because he lacks toughness or physicality. 
at some point you just can't be a good re- a, a good rebounder relative to your size. Like that happens. To Miles' credit, he's very good at boxing guys out and picks his spots very well. But no, he's not an awesome rebounder at size. But a lot of times people and just fans and talking heads in general are like, oh, he's not tough. He's not physical. And um, I just don't think you can watch him play defense and say that. Um, so he's a guy who it's it's hard to contextualize somebody who's a center that gets seven rebounds a game, you know. Um, but he's he's a very good player. And, and regardless of whatever team he's on, like I think he's a positive impact guy for sure. Now, Raz, I wanted uh, – I don't know if you had any final Pacers, Pacers talk uh, or Pacer take before we hit her, but – I, no. I wanted to, I wanted to end on I wanted to end on on this one. Uh, I did I did put it here because I don't know if you I don't know if you saw the um was it the Netflix documentary. So Mark, I'm I'm gonna ask you as somebody who who was a Pacers fan, like what, what do you remember from November 19, 2004, aka the night the Malice at the Palace night? What do you remember from that night when you were younger? Yeah, so I was I was seven years old on on this night, and I was uh, I did not know this happened, man. So I uh, oh, I'm sure I saw it on Sports Center the next day, or whatever. But I don't I don't remember it. The first time I ever watched it, um, I think I was I was watching highlights of stuff with my dad when I was probably like ten or eleven, and YouTube first starts like really coming about in the, the late two thousands, and he's like, "Oh, you you got to watch this." I'm like, "Well, what are we watching?" And, you showed me the mouse in the house. I'm like, oh, that's crazy, man. Like, that's that was the first real uh, experience I had with it, watching on, like, one of those big old, like, kind of uh, beige box computers um, that we used to have. And there's an IBM. And that's my real experience with Mouse at the Palace, like, watching that and being like, well, what is happening here? Like, you just see um, Ron, obviously now Metal World Peace, laying on the scores table. And and I'm just waiting because I have no idea what's going to happen when I'm a kid. And, um you see the beer come flying down on like the grainy ass picture and you're like, Oh no. And yeah, it's just a uh, complete and utter chaos, man. I've talked to a lot of people who, who were there, who were there and um, who covered the team then. And uh, it's still kind of like a surreal thing to co- go back and talk about, especially looking at the fallout too. Like, um, I mean, now that, that Rick is back, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to look at. Like, I mean, obviously I think that's 14 years ago when, when yep. he left his coach, yep. um, so, like, you look at how that altered where the Pacers were at. Like, I think you you can pretty unequivocally look at that. That 2005 season, um, I mean, they, they came in as title favorites. Uh, that yeah. was one of the best teams that the Pacers have ever had. Like, J.O. was insanely good, man. Like, I, I don't think people understand how good Jermaine O'Neal was. Like, he had his He's one of those dudes player, who, like, he was so good, man. That's one of those dudes who, who's going to get lost in the history books. Um, with with just the talent that he had in that short, like that short prime that he had, it you know that five six years where he was just like, yo, like Jermaine O'Neal. Like I remember like vividly watching Jermaine O'Neal. I'm like, yo, O'Neal must just be the best basketball name in the in the game because oh, like right. both, like it's just like it was it was out of control. And I watched that game live actually, not even oh, the country. Yeah, so like I I was at my grandmother's house. My parents had a date night. I believe was it a Friday? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah it was. It was, that's, it was that, like that's it was why. a matinee game, man. Because it's like that, replay of the. I mean, I've gone back and watched that Eastern Conference Finals from 04 so many times. Like ugly ass games, man. But like so much yeah. fun in them. Like I love. Like how often do you get to watch Ron Artest chase Rip Hamilton off off eighteen foot curls for like an entire night? Like it's. It, I I love that stuff. So yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. Like I I, I was watching that game at my grandmother's house. And at this point, you know, like it's I think it was the only thing because I think it was the Friday night game. And you see that come on. And you're like, is that true? Is that true? 
I didn't know that. That's kind of wild to me. If that's true. Shout oh yeah, no, me. that's for real. Yeah. Uh, wow. I saw an interview with uh, better man with than me. the other day. Like he's he's still like. I can't remember how we got in touch with him, but yeah, I mean that is that's just that's just who he is, man. Shout out to Ron from Queensbridge, but um, yeah, I mean it. That watching it live is one of those things where I think now they, I don't even think now they would cut it off because of just the shock factor, but like it's one of those things they probably should have cut off then, right? Like they probably should have cut it off, and we should have went to the studio. Um, but I think the live commentary was the best part about it. Like the, the live commentary with the announcers, I'm trying to think who was on the call that game. Yeah, um, it. but it like, it, it was just one of those things where like that punch where Jermaine O'Neal slips like that, that wet spot, that oh, wet yeah, spot on the floor saved the life because Jermaine, <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal was coming there with every bad intention. Then you had stack five up there. Throwing haymakers, and I think I think the best part, you know, Bill Walton and Mike Breen. Wow, what a yeah. fucking uh, what a Bill combo. Walton probably high as hell. So I think <laughs> um, I think I think the the most important part about it is after where where they tell a story where um where Stephen Jackson is talking to Ronald Tess in the locker room, and Ronald Tess is like, "Yo, do you think we'll get in trouble for this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the fuck you mean do you think we'll get in trouble like they, you might not have a job tomorrow bro like what are you yeah. talking about <laughs> like so i just think the 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 type of the, the switch that snapped and i think you know i think some of these fans still need their ass whipped if we're being honest oh 100 they were bugging this year man i like if if there was about to be like a mouse of the palace too, that, like, that lady in atlanta here. man oh my god that shit oh my insane. god yelling at ron yeah. like oh come on get your ass out of here like I can't like just to go off on my soapbox. I can't stand fans, man. Like I, I get it, but like I understand like wanting to jaw with people, but like at the same time, I wish that um, it was like football sometimes, and where you're not right on top of everybody because I just think that opens up for a lot of nasty interactions, like we saw this last year. Um, and I'm hoping that's that's better this year because that stuff really it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it's whack. It's whack. Oh man, but yeah, I think this this has been a it's been a fire episode. Mark, appreciate you for making some time, man. We go. Let's end on this. Um, I do because like <laughs> you are you are renowned for for your food takes, and they I know Raz mentioned it, but yeah, you get put in a pack for some of these food takes. Now that is what, the truth, is, man. I get ratioed often. What what is what is your what take got you put in the backwood to worse? Like what really got you? Like, what did they pack you up for? Like, what food take was it that people, like, hated the most that came from your Twitter account? <laughs> I think the uh, the absolute worst I probably had was, um, man, it's either, the, like, the very first time I ever put some out was I, like, vehemently just hate pickles. Like, we were talking about this earlier. Um, I can't stand pickles. I got, like, 50 or 60 quote tweets one time. But I did put out – it was a particularly nasty tweet about pickles. It wasn't just, like, that pickles were bad. I was, like – you're legitimately a bad person if you eat pickles or something like that. And I mean, part of it, I'm just like playing the bit and having fun with it, but I do really think that like, I Did hate somebody else follow you over it. Oh yeah. That was recently, man. I think I, uh, so I don't like mint chip or, uh, what is the other ice cream off the top? Of my mint, head. mint chip. That's a, these are reasonable takes. Yeah. Go mint on. chip is bad. I have, I have strange. some more unreasonable ones, but like this one was pitting like what's worse, mint chip or, uh, shit. What was the other one? I can't remember off the top of my head, but like, this guy, like, he was gonna follow me after it. It was pretty priceless. Uh, actually, uh, it gave me a gave me a good laugh. Um, 
No, I, I, I'm always putting out a, a rather uh, jarring pull or like a, a, the Did worst one by far. Cookies and cream? Oh, you, oh yeah, I, I don't like cookies and cream. I'm not a cookies and cream guy. I think it's just like just have an Oreo, you know, or I'm not a big like people who dunk uh, cookies and milk. I can't get with that. It's kind of nasty yeah, to like, me. Like, I'm not. Yeah, the, you don't need I mean, crumbs in your mouth. I thought, I, thought you, I thought you had a scorchers. These are like the scorchers that I don't like pasta. I think pasta is kind of gross. Like I don't like oh, mac yeah, and yeah. cheese. I don't like spaghetti. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, I, we just we took it. We took it there. Uh, yeah, mac and cheese and spaghetti are gross. I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't know if you know about this. The black community loves. I I may or may not have been called racist for saying that mac and cheese is gross. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I I did open myself up to a, to some to Man, some slander on that. You rather you're a regular David Duke now, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Maybe maybe David Duke, Duke, Duke who played at Providence. I don't know about that. This, this is this is the NBA podcast, you know. I mean, a fantasy sports podcast. But we we do think that's a bad name. Um, but pasta spaghetti, like spaghetti, also has a stranglehold on the black community. Um, just but pasta, <laughs> pasta, in, pasta in general is good. Like it's it's very hard to have bad pasta. I mean, it's not hard to have bad pasta, but it's hard to dislike great pasta. How did you get on a kick of not liking pasta? <laughs> uh, living in an apartment by myself for a year and a half uh, did yeah. that to an extent. I also just have never really liked pasta much. Like if I get chicken parm, I'd rather have two chicken breasts and have spaghetti underneath my chicken parm, man. Like, it's just, it's a waste to me. Like I, I get like, to me, I look at pasta and I'm like, this is just so I can eat sauce. Like I like sauce. I don't really care for, for noodles. Like, there are like pastas that are okay. Man, please, like, I don't mind. Please like, tell me you weren't. Please tell me you weren't slandering pizza. Oh no, I love pizza, man. Okay. Like, How do you feel about awesome. grilled cheese? Uh, it's fine. Like it's it's like okay. it, it, if you make it right, it's fine. Like as long as you don't use like the crappy craft singles or some shit to make your grilled cheese, I think it's good. <laughs> All right. Nah, man. Uh, Mark, uh, once again, appreciate you. Let let the people, I mean, direct all um, pasta-related hate tweets to <laughs> at yes, NBA. Mark, please, please let the people know um, what you got coming up. Um, plug the Patreon and all the great stuff you do, bro. Well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a blast. Um, love to do it again sometime. Uh, oh, I, yeah, you can find me on Patreon. Uh, it's my uh, tag tweet. I'm still trying to find full-time work in basketball now that I'm out of college. Um and that just helps me out while I'm getting there. I put out stuff very consistently, um, both podcast and written. Um, yeah. You can find me I'm just yeah on Twitter at M Schindler NBA. All my stuff is up there at you know premiumhoops.org. All my written content goes up there and over at Indie Corners as well, both on podcasts and writing. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff all the time. Uh, love basketball, so you know I, I can't can't really picture doing anything else, man. You know what that, that's, that's what so I love to hear honestly. Uh, we we fall into that. We're, we we like everything, but basketballs. You know, we drive a lot of that that content too. So I appreciate you hopping on. I, I apologize for my tardiness. Oh, dude, you're um, good. Don't worry about it. I still gotta pay rent, so you know how that goes. Oh, um, for sure. <laughs> so uh, now we'd love to have you on anytime. We we could do a crossover on your shit too. Um, just as long as we can curse there. And oh, um, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Sean, take us out. Yeah, man. Uh, draft season podcast, man. Definitely, we got a lot more football content. We we, we hopping in the fantasy football bag coming up next. Um, so if it, that is something you'd be interested, definitely um, keep an eye out for us. Um, but yeah, man, we out of here. About to go enjoy that that locks dip set versus draft season podcast. Signing off.